Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the And Also podcast. I'm Madison, your host, and today's episode is going to be another heavy one. Surprise, surprise, trigger warning. It is what it is at this point, honestly. Um, So we're going to be talking about running from grief, avoiding trauma, and the impact that that has on your mental health. So it's a heavy one, but it's definitely super insightful. And I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest today. But before we do that, of course, we need to do our drink of the day. So today's drink is the Spindrift Sparkling Water. The flavor is Blood Orange Tangerine. And weirdly enough, I'm obsessed with putting cold brew in this, which like I'm not going to do today. But like take my word for it, a little agave, Chamberlain Coffee cold brew, and this equal parts this to cold brew. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing ever. The most refreshing like summer coffee drink. Something about citrus and coffee, it does what it needs to do, okay? If you don't believe me, I don't know what to tell you, but this is really good on its own too, and my guest loves a good seltzer, so let's get into it. Let's try it. So ASMR. This is so good. It's like refreshing. It's just enough citrus and i'm eating it up so if you haven't tried this i really like seltzer and this is one of my favorites and mix it with coffee if you can all right so for our book of the week this week i read this a long time ago so bear with me but i do want to read it again it's called ghosting a widow's voyage out it's by barbara Lazier Asher. This is a story about grief and death. It's kind of a memoir and you guys know I love memoirs about death. I think they're really my favorite genre to read because they're so personal, they're so real and you get to experience somebody's very raw emotions around the topic of grief and their direct experience and I found with my grieving process it's been the most comforting book because like the self-help grief books can be a little I don't know like stupid (laughs) and like almost offensive in some ways like it's kind of giving you this formula of how to feel better and how to move on and just close this chapter and it's not that and grief is not something you can just like turn your back on and move on from which we'll talk a lot about today this is kind of Barbara's story about her marriage and her husband's illness and then his death just having to stare straight into the eyes of grief and just survive it so if you're looking for just a really incredibly written memoir about grief and love and life and death this is the one for you it was like one of the first books i read after Regis died, um, I read The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. And then I think this was the the follow-up to that because I was kind of chasing that same feeling that The Year of Magical Thinking gave me. And this was really, really close. So I love it. And I think you guys will love it as well. Okay, so with all of that, let's get into today's episode talking about running from grief and trauma. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, give this video a like, leave a comment. Um, Let me know if you've had a similar experience, like what we'll be talking about today. And if you're listening, just audio on Spotify or Apple, definitely give the show a rating and download the episode, send it to a friend and follow us on Instagram. All right, let's get started. I guess we could just get started by you introducing yourself and kind of your relation to today's topic and really what we're going to be getting into today. Hi, everyone. My name is Christine O'Donnell. I am a podcast producer. This is my livelihood. I work with people to develop and produce podcasts and Lately, as in in the past like seven or eight years, I have been doing this for people behind the scenes. But in the (laughs) 10 to 15 years before that, I was in front of the scenes working as a TV news reporter in Los Angeles, New York, Minnesota, Georgia, Boston. I've been 
around. I worked for NBC News Channel. I have been on CNN, Fox News Channel. I've done I've done a lot of national news correspondence. And then um, about five years ago, I started the, my own production company, developing and producing podcasts as a business. That is what I do to this day. And, and that is how my show is possible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wanted to interject that because I didn't think you were going to say it. I wasn't. But yeah, my show is possible because I work for you and with you and I get to use your studio, which is amazing. So thank it's really thanks to you that my show is out there. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. I also love that you love this space so much because like a lot of heart and soul went into making this like yeah. tiny room sound so good. And it does. And it I listen to your podcast every week. So thank you. And when I say listen, I mean watch because I enjoy watching it on YouTube. I love that. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Um, so do you want to talk about why you're here today? <laughs> no. You want to get into the nitty gritty or? <laughs> I want to run away from it, Which Madison. Is that's the exact the thing. point. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I want to pretend it's not there. I want to outrun it. And that is very much something I'm very good at, like literally in therapy. I am just... I don't know. I just always find something else to talk about during the sessions, except for the thing I'm supposed to talk about. And then I learned a phrase recently called doorknobbing. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of this before? I have. Yes, because I did it to my therapist and she's like, you just doorknobbed me. And I was like, I've never heard that. Is that a real word? (laughs) She was like, it's it's among us therapists. We call it doorknobbing when right before your time is up, you bring up this huge thing that you don't want to talk about. But you know you should, right? Or like what, or whether you should or you shouldn't, like you bring it up just in time for you to leave, so that you don't actually have to address it. But you feel like you did it because you, you brought it, it up. There. I just uh, brought it out there, and now it's time for me to leave. Okay, Bye. and she's See like, okay, week. so this is where we're starting next week, and I'm like, then, and then the you next cancel week your appointment. <laughs> No, I don't cancel my appointment. I just like have all of these other things that I really should talk about because crises happen every week. And so, yeah, this is me actually working on it right now with you. Live action. Live action avoidance. Um, Okay. So when I was young, not that young, but um, from what I can recall, when I was 14, I just started losing people. And it was awful. And I lost a lot of people in two years. And then my parents got divorced. And I'm the oldest of three kids. And we all experienced it different ways. We all grieved in different ways. So the first person that we lost was my godmother. And I'm going to cry. Dang it. That's okay. That's what what the point of this is. Oh, don't. Have you made anybody cry? Yeah. (laughs) Almost almost all my guests that have talked about grief have have at least cried or at least got a little, you know, the little tear. The little glisten. I want to keep my crying on the inside. So I don't know how well I'm going to do with that. I have begun to heal. So now I cry all the time. When I was like locked down, that wasn't happening. That was a bad time. So um, my uh, godmother, um, her name was Marion. And she was, I mean, my aunt, but she was like my best friend. Like, I don't know, like, not that everybody is best friends with your aunt and not that you can be, but she's like the person who like knew me before I even knew me. She was just that person who just got my soul, right? Like she just knew me. Like the quirky things, the weird things, like we just were very similar people. She and I were very close and she had diabetes and a number of people on my uh, father's side of the family had diabetes and used to be considerably more deadly than it is now, thank goodness. Um, But Um, She passed away from complications from diabetes at one point, and my dad came home after he had gone to her home to try and save her and then put all of us in my bed, in my bedroom, and shared with us that she had died. I felt sad, but I don't think I, like, believed it yet. Like, I just think I was in shock. I don't think I— You didn't process. It was that blurry moment of, like, okay— well, that yeah. happened, and then you just kind of float through life. And I remember I was in sixth grade or seventh grade. Um, Yeah, I was sixth grade. 
I think, right? You said you were 14? I was 14. So maybe maybe seventh. seventh grade, yeah. I just remember we were reading Tuck Everlasting. Do you know that book? No. Well, I'm a different generation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tuck Everlasting um, with Winnie and Tuck. It's like a love story. A girl meets boy. Boy had found the fountain of youth and lived forever. And he wanted Winnie to drink the fountain too so they could be together forever and love each other forever. But she chose not to. And that was like a very confusing thing for Tuck. Like, why would you choose not to live forever and be in love with me forever? And for her... Life was so much more precious when it was finite. It meant so much more to be able to grow old and to share those changes with somebody. Like she wanted to start a family and she wanted to do all of those things and she couldn't imagine staying young while her kids got old. Like there was all of these like deeper things that she was thinking of past just being in love and being so happy with this one person who she was like thought was her soulmate at that point in time in her life she was a young woman and I guess for me because I was reading the book at the time and then this happened and I just saw how devastated my family was like my dad and her were also very close and I really feel for people deeply and that is like so hard yeah. when you just like don't want someone else to feel pain and so I yeah. was really just trying to help him feel perspective and then watching my grandma like grieve the loss of her daughter and like holding her arm as we were walking to see her body in the funeral home and she just falling down and me like trying to pick her back up and like move forward it just um now you're gonna make me it just kind of crushed me I, I know like, that exact it's like it... I just I just feel so much for other people too Not... you almost like can't really focus on you in a way helping other people helps us but in yeah. a way it also takes us away from helping ourselves yes and that's really hard i don't talk about her because i loved her so much and i don't think i ever really grieved her she grew up in this town not too far away from here it's so surreal it's, to be it's back very here. personal yeah where this like on the streets that she walked like doing the things that she did having coffee at the places she would have coffee it gets just so weird to be here and have her not here and this was so long ago right like I'm an old lady now and like Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember like just sharing with people like the tuck everlasting listen like life was so much more precious and she knew that because it was fine and I don't know I think I like like wrote a passage and like ended up sharing it at some point and I don't know I just like was constantly like there for other people and it, it, I find the best way at least for me in that moment like to be there for other people is almost just to like show up and shut up just like be there just yeah. show up and shut up <laughs> sometimes you don't know what to say and that's fine just be there. That's um, the best advice that I always give mm -hmm. to people when they don't know what grief is like, but they know someone who's going through it. Like, mm -hmm. there's nothing you can say to fix it. You know, no condolences, no, they're in a better place. Like, that that doesn't fix it. So yeah. sometimes you just need to be there to give space. Yes. Anyway, she died. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> really sucked. But, <laughs> but not too long after. <laughs> We lost my grandma, who I was also very close to. And I don't know. It's, it's like it's weird, right? I, I think in some ways because like these are people who, I don't know, when people talk about their grandparents dying, it's like, oh, well, that's like supposed to happen. So that right. isn't that big of a deal. But I just for some reason, the people that I happen to lose were people that I just really felt like deeply close to. Yeah. So she um, actually, I kind of like made her promise me that she was like going to stay alive for my 16th birthday. <laughs> like, you, better, you better not try me, mm. grandma. There was an issue. We were actually at my, my other grandma's home like the night before for dinner and there was an issue at the hospital and like we all left and we like my grandma had been in the hospital because she had lung surgery and she had had complications from her lung surgery but the lung surgery was like months ago she was just back in the hospital for like another reason and something had happened and I we don't completely know exactly what had happened but we went from my one grandma's house to the ER where my grandma was and they were gonna let me in to go see her 
um, like in the ICU and talk to her because she was stable. And but like she had a bunch of wires, so they weren't going to let my brother and sister, but they would mm. let me because I was the oldest. Right, and, like, right. I don't know. They just decided to let me. Yeah. So while I'm in there, like holding her hands and she's intubated, like she sees me and I like see her like want to protect me from what I'm seeing. And then she has a heart attack. <laughs> it's not funny. Sorry. in that moment yeah i'm holding her hand like watching her choke it's not fun it's not funny it's not silly Um, funny no it's awful it was disturbing and awful and i didn't know what to do because i was still like i was 15 i'm holding her and i can tell she's scared and like i want to help her and she's trying to like talk to me through this moment and they're like lowering her down and like pulling like they're like all doing things and I'm just like still holding her hand while all of this is happening I love you grandma (laughs) I don't I'm so I just I didn't know what what I didn't know what to do or what to say I just was like this is I wasn't and it's like beeping and like there's just all of these there's like beeping and wires and all these things happening and and I'm alone in there like my my parents weren't because they were letting people in one at a time Anyway, they kicked me out as you like they do in Grey's Anatomy when they're like, get her out of here. And then like my mom was like freaking out. She didn't know what was going on. And I was just like, I think I was numb. Like, I don't remember. You almost like black out. Yeah, I don't remember feeling anything, but kind of like frozen in time. We went home that night and went to sleep. And my mom and I planned to like go the next morning to see her first thing. And I had had a dream Like, right before I woke up where, like, she had come to me in the dream. And I, like, knew already that she had passed. Like, I I just, like, knew. And so I, like, woke up and I still felt, like, in this state of shot. But but I, like, also felt this, like, sense of peace and calm because I was, like, like, she was at peace. You were very much putting yourself in your grandma's shoes of, like, well, at least she's fine. So, like, you were almost avoiding your own feelings by putting somebody else's in front of yours. Yes. And... Also, we had to go. My mom didn't know any of this, right? Because again, like this is all still like pretty much in my head. And so we get in the car and we drive to the hospital and my mom's like saying all of these things. I kind of think she's like Looney Tunes at this point because I'm like, she's not here anymore. Like, I, but I didn't say any of that because none like, of it's nobody, been confirmed. It, nobody told right? you. Right. Like nobody, right? like, because I'm sure she's in her own state of shock. My mom is also like one of four and she's the youngest and she's the only girl. And so she and her mom had a very close relationship. Right. So we get to the the hospital and as we are walking into the room that I had been in the night before, my um, aunt and my uncle come out and they like make eye contact with my mom and say like, Deb, she's gone. My mom just like falls to the floor, like screaming, like screaming. I felt nothing. Like I felt nothing and then I think I just started like moving through the motions I remember like hugging my uncle Bob because that's what you do and standing there and going back in the room and like saying you know goodbye and holding her hand and like holding my mom and just like literally just going through all of the motions there was some more like really difficult stuff that happened out of after that it's not completely my story to share so I don't feel comfortable talking about the stuff that happened but there were other like difficult things that happened with with that group like in relation to those deaths yes at this point right like I've had two like losses kind of back to back like these two people who are really important to me and I care deeply for um I guess like after the first one I thought like okay I'm safe like yeah like nobody else nothing nothing bad can happen and then the next one happened and I was like well for sure like now I'm really safe. I'm really safe because like, you know, the like world, the vibes, right? Like I have to be okay. Right. Now, right. Like nothing else bad can happen to me. I'm 15. I like deeply loved these people and they got me more than like my own parents got me. Right. And now they're gone. And so nothing bad else can happen. And that's not true. More bad stuff happened. So then I lost my Aunt Patty and then I Um, My parents went through a separation um, and my dad was living with my uncle 
his brother, who was 10 years younger than him, and I guilt-tripped my dad. He and I used to run together, and I, like, guilt-tripped him, like, hey, like, you never run with me anymore, like, da-da-da-da, like, and so he was like, okay, I'm coming, like, I'll come and go for a run with you, and um, he never showed up. My dad did not arrive, and I started to get, like, really worried, like, something happened. So I started driving, because he wasn't also answering any of my phone calls, and so I started driving to find him. Like, I thought maybe he was in a ditch somewhere. Like, I finally ended up hearing from him, and his brother had passed away after he had left. He had gotten halfway to the house and received a call from his mom, who had, like, gone over just to check on him and found him dead on the couch. He also had diabetes, and he aspirated. He had had an insulin reaction, and he vomited and then there was a lot of guilt there for me and for my dad and um yeah and then and then my parents got divorced (laughs) and I don't know I just I feel like it just was like a lot all happening like anything that made me feel safe or stable or understood or cared for at this like point in my life all disappeared I guess you think that like your parents will be there but that just wasn't true for me at that time in my life And it was difficult for my siblings, too. So I kind of, like, rose to the occasion. Of course, yeah. And um, anyway, I really don't talk about this, like, ever. Well, I'm really glad you are because I Um, think everyone needs to talk about it. It's just, like, it's just one of those things where I, like, it's so – there's just, like, so many people involved. And there's, like, a lot of deep webs, too, that, like, just impact your everyday lived experience. There's so many layers of of the pain, the guilt – the anger, the confusion, the fight or flight, the lack of feeling safe. It's like now you almost kind of expect that horrible things are going to happen. It can give you a really twisted view on the world. Yeah. Like I know for me experiencing the amount of death I have at my age, it's made me like not the most fun person to be around. <laughs> and it's hard. It's There's so many deep kind of horrible layers to it um and yeah there's the silver linings but you almost have guilt attached to feeling anything good in in these sort of situations so it's like you have to talk about it or you don't (laughs) and then here's part two what happened next (laughs) like or you don't have to talk about it and you can just go and I, i would say that's what i did i just I don't know. I didn't feel. I didn't think. I didn't really. Well, I thought, but I just thought, how do I get out of here? You you took the route of like avoiding that pain. And we'll talk more about this, but, you know, throwing yourself into work or, or social life or whatever it is. Was that a conscious decision or was that just what your brain did? I don't think it was conscious. I think that I happened to find the right sport at the right time. So I was in a lot of different sports all through high school. And then I, I found rowing, which is kind of like a weird sport in that you you have to like flow with other bodies, right? Like yeah. you need to be attuned to the other systems in that boat. You need to understand a stroke. You need to move like eight people as one unit. It just happened to be something that I was really good at. And I didn't know, but like now looking back, of course, like I was good at it because like the thing I tend to be good at is understanding other people (laughs) without even meaning to. And so it it was quite easy for me to learn and like observe and mimic. And I ended up like going from being brand new to being one of the fastest on the team in a very short period of time and then ended up getting full scholarship offers and being flown around the country and being recruited by top rowing schools to go there um, as a D1 scholarship athlete. So So instead of worrying about your pile of of trauma essentially i mean you even just the heart attack situation is enough to like traumatize someone horribly but you had that on top of all the death your parents all the other stuff going on so instead of like looking at that and dealing with that of course it's easier to be like look at this opportunity let me run with this let me go in this direction yeah so i did i went in that direction and ended up accepting a full ride scholarship to the University of Minnesota. Like you're going to notice like peak performance was like a very important to me. Like I was on the National Honor Society. Like I was I was in like several AP classes. Right. I just doing just, all the things. Like, you know, graduated with like the extra like 
orange cables around. I don't even remember what it was called. So then I went off to college and I, you know, did all the internships and I did all the th- all the things. I majored in journalism. I ended up um, winning um, Big Tens every year. I competed at the University of Minnesota with the other women in my boats. And um, in 2007, we won NCAAs. So, like, I was pretty good at rowing. You know, it was really important to get a job in your career field after you graduate from school. And I think I went two weeks without a job after I graduated before I was offered a job at the station I had been interning at, which was the top TV news station in the Minneapolis news market. And I ended up working there right after college. So I ended up getting another job offer for to work at a TV news station in Augusta, Georgia. That tended to repeat itself over and over again. It was first the sports and then it was the college, then it was the career. And then then it was also a career that was very traumatic in ways that I wasn't even like thinking at first, but then like ended up being quite good at when it comes to showing up and shutting up right like because there I am on the worst day of your life as a tv news reporter everyone I've talked to about grief has it's not the same but it's similar in the sense that they tend to find careers or lean towards things where they get to amplify other stories of grief or be around other stories of grief Aaron was talking about it too. Like, you know, he is more excited to report on a story that has something to do with somebody that died and to sit there with the family and to be there to hear their initial thoughts and just to be involved in in sharing that story. So I think there's always that desire after losing people to be around other people who have lost people because it is a comfort. And no matter how far we run from it, it's there. It's something that's going to come up over and over again until you look at it in the face and you're like, okay, everything I've done to this point has been impacted by it. And now what? And that's intense. The first time I dealt with death was when I was 16. One of my friends died of a heroin overdose. He was actually really, really, really close with Regis, who wound up committing suicide years later. So I kind of lost two people that were very foundational they were like rocks in my life and both of them were gone and you know that was our friend circle i felt this incredible guilt of like wow i've outlived two people who have always been older than me who i've always looked up to who i've always been around um but that first experience i didn't feel it for 5 years i remember it happened i remember going to the wake going to the funeral being there with his family Um, being there for his younger siblings, taking them to the cemetery to visit him, you know, just being there on their their worst days and not feeling it because I just wanted his sisters to be okay. I just wanted them to feel supported. I just wanted to make sure we're still celebrating his birthday every year. We're still, you know, including him in holidays and celebrations. We're still making sure that he is here still in whatever way he can be and that was great in many ways and I'm so glad that you know they were able to have a space to feel those feelings that they wouldn't have had otherwise as a very empathetic person how do you ignore those people who very clearly need support and love my coping mechanism for that was to just be there for everybody else and and somehow I thought that that would heal me and it didn't And so five years later, it was the anniversary of his death, and I was with Regis, and we were going to go visit him, um, like visit his grave and stuff. And we got there, and both of us just like fully broke down. Like it was a moment of like, wow, it's really been half a decade, and like we're not fine. We're nowhere near fine. And, you know, just being so young and dealing with those huge feelings, you don't know where to begin. You don't know where to put them, what to do with them, how to face them. So you just keep going. And there's so much in your life there to distract you. So why not? So then, you know, now it's been, gosh, almost, it's been like eight years-ish. It's like, it's to the point where I'm like, I can't really even remember how long it's been since he died. And I'm finally at a place where like, I've dealt with it. But it took almost a decade. And it caused a lot of 
like mental trauma and just instability in my life. So then Regis died and it was like, wow, the one person, you know, we would still celebrate Jake's birthday every year. We would still go visit Jake's grave. We would still do all those things together. And now he's not here either. Now I'm going to Jake's grave alone. I'm bringing this jar of ashes that's allegedly supposed to be Regis to Jake's grave with me. I think Regis, you know, it was a whole different experience of death because it was suicide. It was schizophrenia. It was really complicated, but it really woke me up and it really made me look at not only the past deaths I've had, but literally everything in my life and reevaluate and just say like, who am I? What What is the point of this? What am I doing? And how do I make life not so miserable? Because I can't run from this. And if I run from this, like I did when Jake died, I'm literally going to kill myself. And that's where it's going to end up. And so it was like a very conscious decision of like, do I kill myself? Or do I do I just figure out today? So that's my really fun story. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my story of deaths. And even in the web of that, there was a lot of other deaths. There was like a, a mutual friend who died of a Xanax overdose. There was the death of my Nana. There was a lot of other stuff, but it's almost like, you know, those were the two that literally killed me and created this new version of me that I'm still figuring out, like, who is this person? What? Who is this person that I'm literally existing as every day? And it's very easy to just turn my back on that and be like, you know what? I'm going to work. I'm going to move to the city. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to get a cat. I'm going to have a new boyfriend. I'm going to go out with my friends and do all these things. But at the end of the day, when I'm alone, that's it's always the first thing that pops into my head. I just, I mean, I just really relate to that. It's so easy to just like keep going. It's just so much easier. For me, it was just so much easier to just fill my life with things to do. Yeah. Then and and continue to like feel other people's grief rather than ever address my own. Was starting to realize how bad I was at being alone and how any moment I had of like peace wasn't actually a moment of peace. Mm -mm. I found a new way to dissociate so I didn't have to feel feelings. Um, whether that's scrolling on my phone. Oh, the easiest or distraction. Or whether it's like binge watching a show. Yep. Or just like finding literally anything to not actually be present in the moment. Yeah. And for me, like one of the questions that's on your list is like, why did you choose to like address this issue? And for me, I realize how precious and finite these times are in my children's lives. And I don't want to numb myself to actually being present to life with them. So it's so easy to just, well, it's not, I don't know if that's the right word, but like I was finding myself looking for ways to not feel while I was with them, not feel love for them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm feeling, I'm talking about in the moments of quiet where my mind has a moment to wander and possibly get to a place where I feel sad. I was looking for a way to avoid that. So to avoid that, I felt worried that I wasn't going to be present in my children's lives. And the one thing that I always felt was so important when people started falling away from me, and granted, I was considerably older, was just like to be there, like just be there again, show up, just, yeah. sh just like, can you tell what my love language is? <laughs> anyway, I think you have a few love languages. I do. <laughs> I think we all do, but I have like yeah. one like really big one. But anyway, it just, um, so I wanted to stop that dissociation. And so that's why I ended up finally like seeking some help. There was a moment for me where it all came to a head. Okay. A very big moment. And I was avoiding talking about it. I had gotten it. Steve and I, who you know, my, my husband, also a TV news reporter. We actually met in college. So he and I, you know, went on to get married and all of those things. And we were looking to move from Los Angeles back to the East Coast to start our family. And so I ended up getting a... TV news reporter position at a station in Boston. One day, 
I got a call while it was like my weekend. It was like Tuesday and Wednesday was my weekends. And so I had come from Boston back here and my friend Crystal and I had gone to get an Auntie Annie's pretzel. She was pregnant. She wanted an Auntie. I mean, I, I was like, yes, let's go get pretzels. So we went there and I get a call from my agent. He's like, Christine, you've got to take down the video. I'm like, what video? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the video, the video you have. I'm like, like the one of the guy, like, following me like that I was recording like the other morning from the morning live shot and he's like no the one of you in bed and I'm like what what video are you talking about and then I was like oh so I had done like a silly video that I had posted I, th I think on my Facebook page and it was a a video of me making fun of myself for going to work too early. Back up, what's the story here? So I was working at the station in Boston for two weeks. I had been on the morning shift, which means like you have to be there at 2.30 in the morning. So hair, makeup, ready for your live shot, go. And so I show up at the station at 2.30 and they had changed my schedule the night before from morning show to day side, right? Like it's like an easy mistake. I show up to work. They're like, haha, you're here too early. Come back at 10. And I was like, well, this stinks. So I went home and I like didn't want to mess up my hair or makeup, but I definitely wanted to get some sleep before my like full day shift. So I laid in bed and I tried not to move because I didn't want to mess things up. Like, you know, if you're up at midnight doing your hair and makeup. Like, we're not redoing no, this. We're not redoing this. I did not this. want to redo it. <laughs> Once you've hairsprayed, like, you don't want to have to do it again. So I tried not to move. I woke up at 7.30, I moved, and I looked like a wreck, right? And so something I do, like, still to this day, I might have sent you these things too, but, like, I recorded a video, like, saying, like, good morning to Steve, like, I love you, like, it's my morning, it's not your morning, this silly thing happened, and I just wanted you to know, and and I sent it to him, and I just, like, thought it was, like, a funny thing that he would then wake up to because he was working nightside in L.A. And I just thought it was funny, so I re-recorded, like, a similar video, and that is what I posted, and I was like hey I woke up like this ha 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 it's like this is what happened I showed up to work too early and now I have to go back to work and I tried not to move but I moved and ha 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 like hope you're having a better start to your week than I am so that's the video that my agent was talking about and so I go ahead and I like delete it like while I'm on the phone with him and you know take it down he's like yeah and I was like this really isn't a big deal that was like a silly video it's nothing like and he's like no it's not nothing like ftv live did a story about you and i'm like what like what's ftv live like i don't even know about like there's like these insider tv news blogs right and i had never been featured on it before i'd been in los angeles i've never like i just wasn't I guess, newsworthy <laughs> until this moment, which I later found out somebody at the station had sent this purposefully to this guy to get the story posted. And the story was reframed as like, you know, Fox reporter doing social media in her underwear from her bed. That was not true, one. And two, it it is what ultimately ended up getting me fired. So shortly after that call with the with my agent, like I was still on the phone with him when I get a call from my the news director. And and so I'm like, oh, like I gotta answer this other call. It's the news director calling. And so I literally am like on the phone with him, like in shock, right? And I'm like pleading with him, like, I think this is so trivial. Like it's like nothing. Like, how could this one thing be about to get me fired? He fires me over the phone, and I honestly, like, don't remember what happened. But I know that I fell to the floor screaming. And I think it was, like, the moment in which I realized I had been trying to use my career to outrun all of my feelings. And everything I worked for in that one moment, because of a silly, goofy video I posted, was all taken away. and My reputation was tarnished. There was nothing I could do. And I don't remember. I don't remember how we got back home. I don't remember, like, the rest the of that day. period. Yeah, I just... And you know what's so interesting is your reaction, falling to the floor and screaming, is the same reaction you mentioned of somebody else's reaction to the deaths Three. in your life. Well, it was my grandmother's and my mom's. Yeah. And I just, like... 
never had that reaction. Before this, I had covered Sandy Hook. I had covered the Boston Marathon bombings. I had covered Elliot Rogers' attack on, San, on uh, Santa Barbara. Then I was at Santa, San Bernardino at the hospital, like, as they're bringing in people. And then I'm in her, like, like, I have experienced and witnessed real, awful tragedy. I've talked to parents. I've seen things I wish I could unsee. And I had just found a way to, I was, I was present in those moments with those people, but then never felt There's it again. There's like a complete disconnection. Yes. And it's like, it all just like came crashing down. Yeah, and I think that moment yes. was a accumulation of everything. Yeah. I don't think you, your reaction was only about your job. I think it was about everything you lost. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. From the time you were 14 on. Yeah. I think that is what my therapist thinks too. <laughs> it makes sense. I like your therapist. So, yeah, it just, <laughs> just is a lot. It's a lot. And then moving back here during the pandemic just like re-triggered it's a like lot. like opening the wound. Just like all these things that I thought I had forgotten. So this is a place for you that's very much associated with a lot of the trauma you experience. So coming yes. back here is reopening that wound yeah. on top of feeling all the things on top of losing your career. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I mean, I had a very similar experience moving back here after Regis died. It's like, wow, I can't even eat at this restaurant because we ate at this restaurant. And like, why is it like, why should I be eating at this restaurant when we did this and he's not here and this is unfair and everything is like a it's reminder. Like, yeah, it's a reminder. And, and the world is just tinted a different color because of it. Yeah. And I don't know how to, like, not feel the feelings in the places that I felt them before. Right. Yeah. I don't know how to not do that. And I don't think you need to not do that because I think feeling the feelings is... Oh, yeah. We're supposed to. Is That's yes. what we're supposed to be doing. And that's the whole point of today's episode. So then what? Now what? And where did you go from that point? And did that realization bring you to continue to cope? Or did that realization push you deeper into the spiral of the productivity? I mean, I think that it is very much something that I will have to continue to work on. Because yeah. um, I, I think something that I'm learning is maybe I don't know who I am. It, the big question is... Um, I'm so good who, at feeling what other people need me to yes, be in that moment. You're very like malleable mm -hmm. to the, the yeah. situation. Yeah, so who so, am I? It's like, who's Christine? Mm -hmm. And don't answer mom. Don't answer TV news reporter. Don't answer podcast producer. What is your answer? Though? Who are you without all of those things? Because I feel like it has been really like a, a learning experience. Yeah. And, and so I've been on this like effort to find these things, like to figure out what are things that I enjoy doing for me that is very much me. And right. who, who am I now? Because this version of me is different than the other, the versions that I remember before the things that happened. It's been actually, well, at first it was quite difficult and daunting, um, but it's been fun. Like I'm going to the gym more and I've been trying to work on healing my relationship to the gym. So it's mm -hmm. not like I have to go for this many hours and I have to have this kind of PR because this is what is necessary for me to even like remotely consider myself athletic. Right. Like, like I'm just trying to go to the gym to move my body and yeah. have fun because health. And now I like the sauna and I've been going to the sauna and I really enjoy it. It gives me good skin, I hear. <laughs> Can you believe that? So, yeah, I don't know. I've just been working on finding out what I enjoy. And I also think that I have been vicariously working on healing myself through creating this company. I know that I'm a really good listener. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I know that like there are things that I really enjoy doing and I really do enjoy connecting with people. I think that that is kind of the point of life. Like if every connection we make can be a good one, I think that means we've had a good life. And yeah. And to me, that's kind of the point. So, I mean, it's really all we've got at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, as long as you are creating moments that make you want to continue doing all this and continue coping and continue learning and growing 
what else are you going to do, you know? And I'm also, I think, a little addicted to learning. I oh, love I learning. I literally love it. I'm fascinated by people. And I love people who are different than me and who think differently than me. And I just, like, want to understand their minds. And then I realize it's because of those differences that the world is a better place because we all complement each other right. in one way or another. And I didn't mean to know these things. And I didn't mean to feel these ways. And I didn't actually mean to start this whole production company. I didn't, like there are things that I didn't mean to happen. Well, I mean, some of it was purposeful and some of it was very much di to driven by rage and even like vengeance. Yeah. Um, but where I am now is not necessarily driven by that. It's driven more by I just really enjoy learning. Madison, I have shared things with you that I haven't even gotten to in therapy yet. So Yay. So I am just now like really starting to realize how I have out tried to outrun these things for all of these years. Yeah. Like there was my moment where I fell right in the mall and then don't remember anymore. And I, I did go into like a deep, dark hole where I watched a lot of Gilmore Girls and ate a lot of ice cream. <laughs> I started going to therapy in Los Angeles. Didn't spend enough time because by April I was I was working at a marketing company, right? Like so I just um, found a way to get back into running. And for me, I would say um, motherhood kind of for has, has forced some things upon me in ways that I wasn't necessarily yeah. expecting. Everything seems to kind of come into perspective in a new way when you have a little child to keep alive. I want them to feel like cherished and cared about because I also remember loving that hard and then having that dissipate. Right. And so I think that if you're someone like me and you keep just trying to prove to yourself that you're good, you're doing well, and that you've earned whatever it is that you're trying to earn, you probably have already earned it. <laughs> like like a while there, ago. There's probably something um, else going on. And I think for me, when I am was tasked with like trying to figure out who I am without all of the labels and what I like doing, and it can't be work, <laughs> that is something that has really helped me find answers in ways that I wasn't expecting and right. explore new creative parts of myself that I'm enjoying exploring. I have a long way to go. Like I am just at the beginning of my healing process yeah. and I'm working on it and I'm invested in working on that. Like there are ways, there are communities, there are people. Something I find is there's people a lot like me everywhere. Literally I almost everywhere. feel like like we're drawn we're to each other. We're magnets for each other. Right? Like we yeah. just find each other yeah. and then we're like, wow. And I, I really feel that way, actually. I feel like Bright Sighted is in part becoming a little bit of that. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> like, like everyone's got like, something going on. <laughs> And we we're just but like it's really nice to like empath with each other yeah. because it's like we're creating the safe space and it's not just me it's like a it's lot everybody. of people are creating yes. safe spaces yeah and we also have such mm -hmm. an ability to be honest with each other in yeah. a non hurtful way yeah and that's a that's a skill that grief has taught me of like being honest with myself um, and being nicer to myself at the same time and that's a hard thing and unfortunately there are good things that come from grief. And that sucks on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, you have to you have to take those good moments and run with them. So, like, what advice, if any, do you have for somebody who might be coming to that realization of like, wow, I've been running from this thing and it's time to do something about that? I think that there's a lot of different ways that it can go. And when I say that, I mean, I think that the news industry the documentary industry, maybe even just the creative space industry, tends to attract a lot of people who have experienced grief. With that, sometimes there can be like addiction issues. There can be other kinds of ways that you abuse yourself. And instead of doing those things. Because <laughs> <laughs> those I, things just, are easy to do when you're... I'm just you're... saying as somebody who, like I see the allure. Yeah, a million um, percent. And instead of doing that, 
I try to just be a little bit better every day. And I just try to have a good connection <laughs> with somebody yeah. every just day. Make a new friend, as just you always make say. Make a new friend. And it's because we all have something. Like we all, all of us have something. And so if you could just be the reason someone else smiles today or little things make a big difference. And I just, um, I don't know. I just listen to a podcast that can help you. Um, read a book do something like something so simple whether it's listening to a podcast watching an old cartoon like something that just makes you feel good okay yeah like if you're feeling anxious there's something about moving to a new space there's something about getting out of that room Um, yes like just move someplace and I think that giving yourself something like a reward while you're moving whether it's music whether it's a podcast whether it's watching a video on your phone or even like scrolling while on the elliptical at the gym or getting a little sweet treat or getting a sweet like just get up get out and get something done yeah (laughs) whether you have to tell yourself a million times a day or put it on a sticky note or like literally say it out loud over and over again, feeling your feelings doesn't make you a failure. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean you've lost progress. It doesn't mean you're unworthy. It just means that you're human and you're doing the thing that we're meant to do. I actually think every time I cry, it's a win. It is. Every time I cry, it's like success. I love crying. I love a good like little sob all alone hunched over my computer. in the shower yeah it's the best. <laughs> curled up on the floor like literally like with my cat just curled up like Gia what <laughs> he's like girl I don't know I just want my tuna <laughs> you're not in the shower <laughs> with, with Gio no well thank you for having me Madison thank you for coming on I really <sighs> enjoyed this and I'm so proud of you for opening up thank you for asking good questions thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the and also podcast if you are watching this on youtube be sure to like and subscribe to the channel leave us a comment and if you're listening on spotify or apple Podcasts, be sure to rate the show download it and of course follow the show and share it with a friend Thank you guys once again for watching. I hope you learned something from today's conversation and I will see you next week for another episode. 